Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. The jersey number 26 has some great players that wore it in NFL history. And today, we have an expert to help us pick a top 10 best players in NFL history that wore number 26. Chris Willis of NFL Films joins us in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. This is your host, Darren Hayes, and we're podcasting from the Pigpen on America's North Shore, bringing you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So with Gene and Mike Monroe, as well as Jason Neff supplies with the great tunes, let's go no huddle through today's top stories of American football history. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com, and welcome to another special bonus edition of the Pigpen on the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch podcast. This episode of the Football by Numbers is focused on the best NFL players that ever wore the number 26 in the NFL. This is a number with some big names attached to it in NFL history. But I'm quite fortunate tonight because I have an expert to join me in this endeavor, and he is no stranger to studying topics about the NFL. Yes, we are joined by Chris Willis, an accomplished author of with multiple books on NFL subjects, such as Red Grange, Joe Carr, Dutch Clark, just to name a few. And did I mention he has maybe one of the best jobs ever as he is the head of NFL Films Research Library. As a matter of fact, with NFL Films, he has been nominated for a couple Emmys and even won the award for his work on the 2016 season's Hard Knocks program on the Houston Texans. Chris Willis, welcome to the Pigpen. It's nice to be here. So uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm excited about to talk about uh, you know, some, some football history with you. Oh, we, we're excited to talk about, too, with the number 26s. We have a tough job tonight. But before we get to that, I'd like to uh, just talk to you a little bit about your job, because this is very interesting to me, and I'm sure to, to the listeners. Uh, it just makes our ears perk up for, for football fans. Uh, are you able to share with us what a normal day looks like as being the head of the NFL Research Library for NFL Films? Sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Uh, it, I started in 1996, so it, it's been 25 years uh, with NFL Films, uh, um, and my mainly day-to-day um, chores are just helping the producers um, find the research for their projects. So you know whether it, you know it's a documentary or a, a short piece, um, you know whatever material they need, whether it's footage. Um, we, we do have a print library, you know, books, magazine, you know, so. Uh, can't find everything online <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know we have we have a print library so, so anything they need to to get started on their shows you know um you know they come they come to, to the library they come to me and you know i sort of get them started or steered towards what they need and stuff so and then every once in a while like hard knocks i'll 
be assigned to work on the show. You know, I, I don't edit a lot, you know, I, I usually just do a lot of research and, and handle the research library, but, uh, but every once in a while with some of our other shows, you know, I, I sort of pitch in and, um, and hard knocks is always a fun show to work on. It's a grind. It's five weeks, you know, <laughs> it's, it's nonstop footage. It's every day, you know, uh, but it's a, it's a fun show to be a part of. So, so yeah, so that's mainly my day to day chores, uh, you know, at NFL films. I'm sure the hard knocks has got to be some long hours during those five weeks also. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm not up as much as the, our senior producers and our, and our direct and obviously our directors who are on site who, who usually shoot, you know, you know, almost 20 hour days, 18 to 20 hour days. Uh, but, uh, but it is a grind, but like I said, it's such a good show to work on and, and a lot of people love it. You know, people love that behind the scenes type of look and, and feel. So, uh, so it's, it's a, it's an honor to work on that show. And it's a great uh, show to watch too. It's very enjoyable. Now, now being uh, at NFL films for 25 years, uh, you were able to work with the folks that put the NFL films on the map in uh, Mr. Ed and Steve Sable. Uh, what an amazing time and had to be very educational for you working with those two. Absolutely. Uh, I started right when, when Ed was retiring. So, so I didn't have as much experience with Ed. Uh, he, he, he would visit every once in a while and come back in the building. Uh, um, so I had a lot more interaction with Steve. Steve was great to work with. Uh, I mean, he was awesome. You know, he's, you think he's the president and, and, you know, but he was always around. Uh, his door was always open. It was never locked or shut, you know, or you never saw him in the hallway. Like if you had, uh, a football question, a filmmaking question, you know, anything like that. He was always around to help you out. And so it was a tremendous privilege to, to have him in that building and to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, you know, I mean, he would stop by the library and say, you know, and he would always ask, Hey, do you need something, Chris? You know, like he was always looking to make your job better. You know, I saw him do it with the producers and he did it with me. He said, Hey, do you, what do you need? What's, what's going to make your life and your, your job, you know, better, you know, uh, you know, because he, he was all about making the best football films, you know, filmmaking and making the best football film. Uh, he lived for that, you know, so uh, he wasn't like just a figurehead or pop up on TV. He loved filmmaking and just talking film. So yeah, it was, it was a privilege to, to be around him until he passed away um, to, to experience that and learn from him. It sounds like he must be as genuine as he was portrayed on television that we watch uh, as he is in person then, because uh, he seemed like he was pretty high energy and, and very passionate about the game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, yeah, that was who he was and that came across. And like I said, he cared about you, you know, whether you're like I said, whether you run the research library, whether you are a 40 year veteran or whether you were working on hard knocks or whether you were just doing a small little banquet piece that 50 people were going to watch at a banquet he was there for you and he'd help, you know, help you, you know, make everything better because he knew what you were doing was representing NFL films and he wanted NFL films to be first class. And, you know, so, uh, yeah. So what you saw on TV, what you saw as a genuine person, that's who he was day to day. Well, they started a great thing and, and you folks uh, there today are continuing the great legacy because you have a, a great thing going there at NFL films and we really appreciate the work you do. Uh, we have a real tall task tonight, uh, so we better get started here. As we have the most substantial players in the NFL's 100 plus years of history that wore the number 26 on their backs. And we got to, our challenge is to come up with a top 10 that we can agree on uh, for the best of the best that wore that jersey number. Uh, are you up for that challenge tonight, Chris? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it is a deep list, and, but it's a, yeah, I'm up for it. 
Okay. Now, generally where we start off is the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame sort of gives us a, a leg up in our discussion as they've identified six enshrined players that were the number 26 at some point during their pro careers. And the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame says that Herb Adderley, Patty Driscoll, Benny Friedman, Paul Krause, Ty Law, and Rod Woodson all wore the number. Now, there's a little bit of controversy there because uh, in my research, uh, Patty Driscoll, I could not find him wearing the number 26. And I went to uh, my, my friend, and I'm sure you, you know him, uh, Joe Ziemba, who is like all mm-hmm. things Chicago football, especially the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, Patty Driscoll played for the, both the Cardinals and the Bears. And Joe Ziemba went through all his game programs that he owns and all the books he has. And he could not find Patty Driscoll in the number 26 in the NFL either. And I don't know what you found uh, in your research. No, I, I, if it was, it was just for like one game. I, I don't, you know, uh, it, he wouldn't be on my, he's not on my top 10. So, okay. Uh, I mean, if he wore it for more than a season, then yeah. You know, I mean, Driscoll was one of the best triple threats, you know, um, uh, two-way players of his era. But if he only wore it for one game or maybe two, like then that, that doesn't make the top 10. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Okay, so we really got five of those that uh, we're going to really focus in on, I'm sure, then. Um, if, if Maybe that's a good place to start, is to start with our Hall of Famers and just uh, you know present them and uh, tell a little bit about them, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good list. Uh, but like Driscoll, I think Friedman falls in that same category. I mean, Friedman's great, too. Um, you know, like I said, probably the first great, you know, quarterback and passer you know in the in nfl um a little bit before sammy ball you know uh but freeman only wore it three years too um and they were at the end of his career you know with, with the detroit panthers and he wasn't actually very good <laughs> you know you know his best years are with cleveland bulldogs and the new york giants you know where he was lighting it up so i took that in consideration where hey you know, you actually have to be as productive in the number two, you know, just because you wore it, you know. So, so to Driscoll, like Friedman, you sort of uh, fell short for me because I, I think Friedman's best years, it's almost like Adrian Peterson, if you saw it. He wore 28, but he wore 26 the last two years, you know. But, you know, they were, they were decent years, but they weren't his productive. It wasn't his 2000 year. Um, so, uh, so I, I would lean towards them not making the cut. Obviously, for me, I mean, they're number one and number two on my list mm-hmm. <laughs> is Herb Adderley and Rod Woodson, you know, so there's no question. Right. I mean, I would put them at one and two <laughs> for wearing the jersey number. So, you know, if we're going to have two slam dunks, then those are probably your two slam dunks. Uh, so um, for me, especially for Hall of Fame, if you're going to start with that list. Now, Krause is an interesting one. I don't know how you how you feel about Paul Krause. Um, uh, he, he wore the number in his first four years with the Redskins, uh, he, mm-hmm. he did not wear it for the Vikings. Uh, now he was super productive in those four years, um, right. With 28 picks. So I, I, he, he's borderline for me, you know, I'll have to see how you feel about him. Uh, just because I think like, as we get into some of these other names, especially the running backs, uh, and quarterbacks are, are very heavy with this number. He sort of he starts up there like oh I want to put him up and then all of a sudden he starts sliding down he starts sliding down you know uh, because I look at these other players and like you know four years with the number does that you know I mean I'll just throw a name out we'll probably get to somebody like Raymond Claiborne well he played fifteen years very productive I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer but you know he's with the Patriots fifteen years wearing twenty six 
I might put him ahead of Paul Krause. You know, I know I, Krause is a Hall of Famer, and you know, you know, but four years it's four the four years production because his better years were with the Vikings. You know, you know, he, he went with some super, some Super Bowls. He was on a Super Bowl top, uh, type of defense, and he affected that. So, so for me, I, like I said, Krause kind of slides down uh, as we get into some of these things. But the only thing that that I, mean, I agree with you uh, about about Kraus, but the only thing that's compelling about him is he was an All Pro three times, but two of them were in those first four years with Washington, and he was wearing that number twenty six there. So you know, so half his time of wearing the twenty six, if you look at it that way, he was an All Pro. So I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. And two of his eight Pro Bowls, he was wearing a twenty six. So he indeed had uh, four productive years uh, with that number on. But like you say, you have people like you know claiborne wearing it for 15 years and some others that are wearing double digit years that uh, were the number of their whole year, uh, career uh yeah that makes an interesting uh discussion for it for sure and i also definitely agree with you with uh rod woodson and herb adderley being automatically one and two on our list but maybe before we get too far into the others maybe we ought to you know just bring up some of the stats of uh, herb adderley and uh rod woodson yeah, I mean, I mean, Adderley, obviously, you know, is huge. You know, in 12 years, he wore the number with the Packers and the Cowboys. You know, in 48 picks, he had five Pro Bowls. Um, but for me, some, some, or at least the added bonus is I do think you should help your team, you know. Uh, you know, so his, you know, what, six titles or seven, you know, like he, he, he won one Super Bowl with the Pack or one Super Bowl with the Cowboys, and then he wins, you know, what, five championships and two Super Bowls with the Packers. I mean, he's a part of this great franchise, you know, um, and that's very impressive to me, you know, and the same thing with Woodson. I mean, Woodson, you know, won a Super Bowl, uh, you know, I mean, 17 years. I mean, he's got uh, over 70 interceptions, 11 Pro Bowls, you know, six all pros. He was a member of the 75th and 100th anniversary team. So, uh, or 75th anniversary. And then, um, so, you can't be any better than that, <laughs> you know, uh, right. you know, and, and he had a lot of the interception returns for touchdown, you know, he was part of the a really good Steelers defense he was part of really good, you know, Ravens defense, you know, later in his career. So, um, you know, so those two, they're so special, you know, special players, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, what could actually return kicks to, you know, uh, you know, especially early in his career, he was a really good returner, uh, kick returner. So, um, so those, two players and they played the position as well as anybody. I mean, they were technicians, you know, you, you couldn't catch the ball on them, you know, you, or, you know, they would never be out of position, you know, and things like that. When you watch them play and, and you watch them on film, like, you know, there's a lot of things they didn't do wrong. You know, they were always in the right spot. Their technique was always great, you know, so it, it was, they're two tremendous players. I mean, like I said, when you think of court, just quarterbacks in general, let alone wearing a number 26, they're they're up there as top you know you know five you can even put them in the top five top eight all, of all time you know cornerbacks and stuff so you know and, and Woodson actually played a little safety later in his career so uh, you know tremendous even just all around player and stuff so so you know uh, that's why when we started this number those are like your two slam dunks you know okay Adderley Woodson uh, now my bottom eight now the next eight now we get a little bit into it. like I said people might have Krause up oh no he's a, like you know I don't not even, not, like I said I'm not even sure Krause makes my top 10 so um uh, but those two were definitely you know by far head and shoulders above everybody else I, I totally agree and one added note you know I, I'm I'm from western Pennsylvania and a Steelers fan so 
Rod Woodson had one of the greatest restaurants ever when he was in Pittsburgh. And that was, you know, we were sad to see Rod when he, he left and went to some other teams in the NFL, especially to the, the rival Ravens, you know, eventually, <laughs> but uh, his restaurant leaving, that was, that was a big tragedy too. Cause that was quite the hot spot in uh, station square to go do before <laughs> games. <laughs> great food there. And uh, some great uh, adult beverages as we'll say. <laughs> Okay, well, like you said, we're going to get into some interesting waters now. Those two are definitely, definitely in. Now we've got eight more to select from, and we've got a whole bunch of defensive backs and running backs that uh, we're going to have to, you know, scan through here and try to figure out uh, who is comes up next in the tops. Now I was thinking maybe we should talk about them as uh, position groups to go through them and uh, maybe check off some people that okay they're still in contention or maybe this person's off. And then go through the other uh, position group and then try to you know co- collaborate on uh, coming up with those other eight positions. Does that sound fair enough? Yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. Okay, you want to go with the the defensive backs first? Yeah, yeah. I think they're uh, they're a smaller group than the running backs, but still, you know. Uh, but I like the names. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. I think the the only safety, you know, uh, that I had in the equation. Um, I think there's a couple It's George Sainz, uh, who I think's a little underrated, you know, I mean, uh, sort of gets lost. Um, but you know, 10 years with the bills, he was part of those two AFL championship teams in 63 and 64. Um, then he played for the Broncos, uh, his last three years, you know, you know, 22 interceptions, he had five pro bowls, you know, three AFL all-stars and to be a part of a two-time sort of AFL champion, you know, uh, uh, I, I think he was, you know, like I said, he's the only safety that I might put in the equation. Uh, I mean, obviously there was, uh, there's guys like Chuck Cecil, uh, Dick Jerron, uh, who played a little bit or more 26, you know, we're, we're decent players, the same, like I said, when you combine some of his all-stars and his pro bowls, I mean, five pro bowls. And then he also helped the bills win two championships. Uh, I think he makes the list, um, uh, as the safety. Uh, and okay. then the cornerbacks, then there's two cornerbacks. I thought that stood out above the rest. Um, uh, there was um, like Michael Downs uh, was one player that I, that I, that I looked at, but he had no pro bowls, you know? So I thought, wow, that's very odd. The guy played, you know, very good for the Cowboys in those years in the eight, especially in the eighties, you know, had a lot of interceptions, you know, almost 10 years with the Cowboys, but he didn't have any pro bowls. He wasn't elite, you know, to where, to me, Antoine Winfield, uh, who played 14 years as a corner, and Raymond Claiborne, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, played 15 years, mostly with the, with the Patriots in his last two years in 90-91 with the Browns. I mean, he's 15 years. He's 36 interceptions. He has three Pro Bowls and one Super Bowl appearance. Um, and Winfield was similar, you know, uh, 25 interceptions, had three Pro, pro Bowls. So, um, like I said, they're definitely a notch below Adderley and Woodson. But you're talking about two. I mean, both of them almost played 15. I mean, Claiborne played 15 and Winfield played 14. They were physical players. They played good in the run and in the pass game. I mean, Winfield was only like 5'9", 180 pounds. And he was really good in the run game. He could play the pass game as well as anybody. He could he could play man. He could play zone. Um and Claiborne was a very good, you know, cornerback, you know, you know, you know, throughout the seventies and the entire eighties. So to, to me, they're very similar. I mean, as we get into running backs, the running backs are really similar, <laughs> you know, it's going to be tough to separate, but to me, Claiborne and 
Winfield were at Sames as as a safety, Claiborne and Winfield as cornerbacks were ahead of guys like Michael Downs, uh, Casey Hayward, who's a, who's a, a, a current player. Uh, you know, Dick Duran was a safety. Oh you know, I think even Ray Rhodes wore number twenty six. <laughs> and if you know uh, Monday Night Football, Lewis Riddick wore number twenty six. But their careers weren't quite at the level as, as Claiborne and, and Winfield, although they, their name people know Rhodes as a coach and Riddick as an announcer and as a scout, you know. Uh, uh, but to me, Claiborne, so, you know, like I said, Adderley and Woodson are, are up there. Uh, the same as, as a safety, you know, uh, head and shoulders. And then you have Winfield and Claiborne, you know, sort of that, that sort of next level, you know, uh, worthy of top 10. No, I, I, don't disagree with you there. Now, I, now just to mention, we, we said earlier about uh, Ty Law. Ty Law only wore the number 26 for one season in 2009. And I think he was with, uh, he wasn't even with New England when he wore mm-hmm. that. Uh, he wore with the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he's probably, even though he had some great numbers too as a defensive back. So if there's listeners out there, say, hey, well, you know, you said Ty Law. Well, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably one of the, the, the criteria, only wearing it for one season that maybe doesn't put him on that list with uh, guys like Claiborne and uh, Winfield. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, that's why. I forgot he was in that modern. I, I was focusing on the two-way players with Driscoll and Friedman, uh, but Law was the same way. You know, like uh, like I would put Kraus just ahead of Law because Kraus, like I said, was the four years, and he had some of his more uh, better individual years. He didn't have the Super Bowl success, or at least getting to the Super Bowl. Like the, uh, but Law, yeah, yeah, I mean, Law is a great player, but as 26, like to me, like I said, to me, Claiborne and Winfield, for their longevity and, and the way they played was much more than Law. So, uh so the yeah, law would not make the cut either. They, they were a much more substantial number 26 than law was in sure. his one year Absolutely. or, or Krause in his four years. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there any other DBs that you, you want to like to bring up? Uh, um, I don't think so. Uh, you man, know, uh, I had some names like, you know, Van McElroy who had uh, nine seasons okay. winning number 26 with the Raiders, you know, his numbers, he had 111 games, 31 interceptions, one touchdown. Uh you, you talked about uh, Sames. Uh, uh, Benny McRae uh, were the number 26 for 10 seasons with the Bears and one with the Giants. 133 games, 27 interceptions, four touchdowns. They're just some numbers to throw out there. I'm not sure that they make the list, but definitely they were substantial players that uh, were the number 26, just like yeah. uh, you know uh, Michael Downs. And I think you said, uh, did you mention Charles Romes also? Uh, I mentioned Chuck Cecil. Uh, I didn't mention Rome's. No. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charles Rome's. You know, Ka- I mentioned Casey, Casey Hayward's a modern guy wearing 26 weapons. Okay. Who's, but, you know, Rome's is, a, not, Bowl, but... Rome's is another one worked for 10 seasons with Buffalo, uh, 156 games, 28 picks, and a score. So they're all about the same uh, type of statistics, uh, same about of. Uh, you know, those three gentlemen I just talked about, but I'm not sure that they make the list. They definitely don't surpass uh, Winfield or Claiborne with uh, what they did. I don't think. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you know, uh, they were always a little less uh, on the list uh, as I was going through it, yeah. Okay, uh, well, I guess it's time to get into this running back uh, horde we have here because there are some good running backs in here, and it's uh, going to be, I think, some tough decisions here to make. And some of them, the, their numbers kind of surprised me. I don't know if the same happened for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, when I looked at the running backs, uh, I mean, the list kept increasing and increasing. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the guys who I thought, I mean, there's two, uh, 
there's three guys that came up very short. So I'll, I'll mention them. Uh, one's a modern guy who maybe five years from now, if we do this again, he's up on this list, but uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, uh, it's just, like I said, just, you know, just not enough uh, uh, of, of a career yet to, to know, but I, I would assume maybe he's in that discussion. And like I said, Adrian Peterson only wore, it, I think the last two years, um, you know, so they come up short, a guy who I like, like I said, when I first saw, you know, some of the, the players that wore, especially from the running back, I'm like, Oh, but he was very limited. I think it's only like four years in the NFL really was Lionel little train James, you know, with the chargers, you know, you know, very explosive, you know, unique player, uh, but he didn't do as for as long as I thought. And, you know, I was like, wow. You know, and it was really like two monster years. You know, he had some of the kick returns too. And so I liked him, but I was like, well, he comes up way short when you start mentioning some of these other names. And the other one who we go back to the fifties uh, is John Arnett, you know, of, of the Rams and stuff, Jaguar uh, Arnett. So um, his stats are really good. Um, you know, he's seven years he had uh, over 2,800 yards rushing, uh, 4,800 yards from scrimmage, 36 total touchdowns, five Pro Bowls, and then the one All-Pro. Um, and then he did some kick returns too and stuff. But uh, um, but was never, you know, like I said, was a very good player at the time. But with some of these other names, you know, like just like with Krause, he started just getting bumped down, bumped down a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, for me, there's two names that stood out. I'll, I'll talk about them initially, who I really like. Uh, Obviously, Clint Portis, you know, uh, you know, nine-year career, um, over nine thousand yards rushing, eleven thousand nine hundred forty-one yards from scrimmage, including receiving eighty total touchdowns. He was offensive rookie of the year, two Pro Bowls. Um, you know, helped two franchises you know along the way. You know, was very good with the Broncos. You know, and very good with the Redskins. So, uh, I think he stood out a little bit better, uh, especially when you talk about you know. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and maybe Deuce McAllister, who was similar uh, era. Uh, Portis, to me, was a little bit above them. And, and for me, just because I think his versatility, and he did it for two teams, um, you know, his numbers maybe, uh, you know, they're not bad. You know, But to me, Wendell Tyler was tremendous. You know, was mm-hmm. a tremendous player with the Rams, you know, who went to the Super Bowl. And then did it with the Rams in the Super Bowl and then did it with the Niners, especially the 84 team. Uh, I mean, he was very dynamic, uh, both in the run and the pass game. That's why Walsh liked him a lot, is that he could use him in the pass game too. Um, you know, he, he fumbled a little bit, but he made up – and he was one of the most unselfish players, like especially when they brought him in. They also drafted Roger Craig, and they played Craig at fullback, and they played Tyler at halfback. But they were somewhat interchangeable at times, you know, you know, like, like, like with Craig. So Tyler – at that point, you didn't have a lot of halfbacks blocking for the fullback. But in Walsh's system, they would. They would go out for passes. They would block for each other, you know, and stuff. And, and Tyler would do it, you know, you know. Uh, and and he was very unselfish, you know. Um, his ten years, he only made one Pro Bowl, but you know, over sixty three hundred yards rushing, eighty one hundred yards when you count as receiving, you know, sixty six touchdowns. Um, I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns for for a guy who you know, played for just you know ten years is, is still a long time, but. Uh, near the end of the career, he got beat up a little bit, you know, in, in 85 and 80. And so those 66 touchdowns came in like eight years, you know, so um, or even his rookie year was it. So I that, like Portis. That, that number surprised me with how many touchdowns he had. I didn't yeah. expect, you know, I knew he was a great back. I didn't realize he had quite so uh, substantial yardage and uh, touchdowns. That kind of shocked I mean, me. I mean, you look at Le'Veon Bell, 
Bell's great. I mean, Bell's, you know, over 6,400 yards rushing. He's almost nine over 9,000 yards, but he's only got 48 touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the three pro bowls and, and obviously the two all pros, but, and he, he, he's, he's a great, you know, dual threat, you know, out of the backfield, you know, he can catch and run, but you know, when you look at it, well, he's only got 48 touchdowns, you know, mm-hmm. and Wendell Tyler had 66, you know, uh, and they're approaching about the same amount of years now, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, so I, I think Wendell Tyler, you know, wearing number 20, like I said, like I said, he was very good at the Rams. He's very good with two teams. It wasn't just one team. He was very good at two teams. Uh, um, I like Portis and Tyler. Uh, they're sort of slam dunks for me. Um, and even Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he's, he's the next on my list. Um, uh, I mean, definitely very first versatile, was a you know, dynamic player there for a couple of years. He's kind of slowed down now, you know, missing that year. I think missing that year, I think really – killed his momentum of, of being you know a borderline hall of fame guy if he kept it up and stuff so uh, uh so he he's versatile like that if he's, he's close to over nine thousand yards total but for 48 touchdowns you know and the three pro bowls and the two all pros you know uh um uh, it was a very good you know uh so he he, he makes my top 10 uh and then we get into uh, a couple more names <laughs> if, if if you want to hear these names um uh, now these guys are like like I said um they're all similar guys. I had a very hard time separating them. Um, you had Lydell Mitchell, who, uh, who played for eight years. He had 6,500 yards rushing uh, with 30 touchdowns, uh, 90, over 9,700 yards if you include receiving, and 47 total touchdowns, and he made three Pro Bowls. Uh, and he elevated that Colts team. That Colts team was you know, somewhat competitive in the 70s, you know, Burt Jones. Um and Roger Carr. So, uh, so he did help the team a little bit. Then you had Robert Smith, uh, who's seven years, who retired kind of early. He was 6,400 yards rushing, 30 touchdowns, uh, only 7,536. So he wasn't as involved in the, in the past game as maybe like Dell and Tyler were, um, you know, two pro bowls. And then uh, Deuce McAllister for me, eight years, over 6,000 yards rushing, 49 touchdowns and then 7,800 if you count his receiving yards and 30 and 54 total touchdowns, two pro bowls and help elevate that, that team in, in the two thousands, you know, um, uh, to be a little bit more competitive. So, um, so those three, like I said, when, when I started adding the, the quarterbacks and, and George Sames was my one safety, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I, I got a little bit of jumble here with, with, with uh, I think Bell makes my top 10, but then Mitchell Smith, and McAllister, you know, I mean, uh, if you take some of the guys I've mentioned, you know, I think that's 11 names. So somebody's definitely coming mm-hmm. off, uh, you know, uh, I think Bell and Mitchell for me um, are on the list. So then it comes down to Robert Smith or Deuce McAllister. So uh, so I don't know how you feel about, about, about some of these guys. Well, well, I mean, a couple, couple observations. I was surprised how Le'Veon Bell so far in his career so, uh, is almost identical in statistics to Lydell Mitchell. That kind of surprised me. Uh, the big difference was, uh, you know, Mitchell having uh, more touchdowns receiving than uh, Le'Veon Bell. I would have thought that would have been the other way, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and also the rushing. You know, Lydell Mitchell had ten less rushing touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell has so far. But if you look at the end of their stats, you know, one uh, Mitchell has forty-seven total touchdowns. You know, Bell has forty-eight t- touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They both have you know just over ninety-seven hundred yards of total offense. Uh, so they're they're a very similar player up to this point in their their uh, Bell's career compared to Mitchell's uh, entire uh, piece of work here. So 
I, those two are the ones I'm, I'm teetering on, but uh, you, like you say, you, if you look at what Smith did in his seven seasons, I mean, it's uh it's pretty dramatic. I mean, 4.8 yards per rush, uh, 44 touchdowns, you know, a year less than uh, what we're looking at bell and even Mitchell. And uh, he's, he's right there with them in, in touchdowns and uh, just, uh, you know, about 1500 behind in total offense. Um, boy, it is a tough one. And the same thing with McAllister, he was more heavy on the, uh, uh, rushing portion of his uh, yardage and his touchdowns. That's where most of those mm-hmm. came. Wasn't as productive in the passing as, as the other ones were. Uh, but th- there's another name worth mentioning. I don't think he's to the caliber of what uh, we've just been talking about, but Preston Pearson came up on my list, uh, at least to be under consideration because he wore the number for 14 seasons, uh, you know, played with uh, multiple teams, including the you know, Steelers and most famously with Dallas and uh, he, he's another one, um, but he was pretty much a, a backup uh, running back on, on all those teams. He was behind Dorsett, was behind uh, Franco Harris, and uh, but still had some productive numbers to you know, a total of 30 touchdowns, 6,700 yards. Uh, but I don't, like I say, I don't think he makes that, that list of 10. So um, well, let's, let's go. Okay. So we're, you're you're at eleven. I'm probably right in that same ballpark with like the same names. But let's let's go for sure. Our ones that we're in, we're saying Woodson and Adderley are definitely in, and mm-hmm. we both agree that uh, George uh, Sains should be in the third mm-hmm. spot. Um, and I think we're both in agreement that uh, Claiborne and uh, Winfield should both be in. Uh, mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Um, so that takes us to five. Now we got those other five names to come up and it's basically these uh, running backs or maybe, maybe one of the DBs comes up in, into it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Clinton Portis is another one. That I think we, we both agree on. Yeah. And Tyler, there. did you want Tyler? Oh yeah. And Wendell Tyler. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So that's okay. one, two, three, four, seven five, is what I have. six. So yeah. So that, yeah. So to me, those seven were clearly, those were kind of like my seven uh, and, okay. and then, and, and then bell was eight. So, so, um, okay. I, I agree with that. Okay. I agree so, with that. yeah. So then it comes down to me, Mitchell Smith and McAllister. So I would say Mitchell is my ninth. Uh, like, like you said, I, I agree with him. I think his number surprised me. I think he was a very good player, you know, um, uh, and did a little bit more overall than you think, you know, you know, like, like you said, he's similar to Le'Veon Bell and most people who probably follow the modern game think Bell is great. Like, Oh, wow. I could, he could do everything. Well, Mitchell was a similar player just 20 years earlier, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, or 25 years earlier. So, um, so Mitchell will probably be my eight. So, so it comes down to, to what Smith and McAllister. And, and possibly Krauss. Oh, unless, oh, Krauss. Yeah. So, to me, Krauss comes up short. That's why I said he kept going down and kept coming down. So unless you yeah. like Krauss better than, Smith or McAllister, um, I mean, I, I, maybe I'll leave that up to you. So, because I no. could go either way. I, I could, I could have went either way with Smith or McAllister. I think my gut saying, like you said, because I think if Robert Smith didn't retire early, because I think he was healthy enough, he had a very good year his last year. I think he ran over fifteen hundred yards his last year. And my gut says if he even plays two more years, 
you know, he could literally run for 10,000 yards, you know, I mean, he was already yeah. at what 7,500. So, or at least nine, like he's up there with Portis and he's, he's more of a slam dunk, you know, then, he's, yeah. then he might be closer to 50 touchdowns too. And that's much more impressive than, than maybe what McAllister or Mitchell did. So um, I, I agree with you. I think it should probably be Smith because uh, just what he did in his body of work in those seven years is uh tremendous, you know, 4.8 yards per rush. That's, that's uh pretty substantial. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. I'm missing. I have nine names down. So I'm missing somebody that we, so let me go through them again. Woodson, Adderley, uh, Portis, Mitchell, Le'Veon Bell, Wendell Tyler, Robert Smith, uh, Antoine Winfield and George Saints. Yeah. So I'm so Claiborne's the only one you missed. Claiborne, I mean, okay, that's who it was. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, I think we did it. I think uh, that's our ten best that uh, as of right now in NFL history that wore the number twenty six <laughs> that uh, were for some period of time. We had some good criteria there and a great discussion. Uh, that that was fun. No, uh, no, I liked it. That's when you when you invited me and you said, you, and, and you gave me a couple of, and I looked, I thought 26 would be very fun to, 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 to debate. So, uh, so I was glad that we got a good number that, uh, that had some names like that. Yeah. Cause like I said, there's some names that I kind of forget, like the, you know, like Wendell Tyler and or that, that are not hall of famers, like Wendell Tyler, Lido Mitchell to me and Raymond Claiborne, like, you know, a few guys that stood out like, Hey, these are really good players that, that happen to wear 26, you know, that there might not be hall of fame, but they might not, ever make the hall of fame you know right. but they're really good play they're really good football players like i would want wendell tyler on my football team or Lionel mitchell they were good football players that you could you would want on your team so absolutely absolutely yeah. well uh before i let you go uh and i appreciate you you helping us out in that endeavor sure. uh, with these number 26s but uh you are, uh, I mean, you have quite a few books out there right now. Uh, matter of fact, I just told you before we came on, I'm getting ready to uh, read your Red Grange book, which uh, looks fantastic. Uh, what, what do you have going on right now? Do you have any th- projects coming up or any books that we can look forward to? Um, actually, I do. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, um, it's along those same lines as Red Grange. If you like, uh, the, the, especially the 30s uh, and especially Chicago Bears, Um I'm working with the Nagurski family. So I'm writing a book on Bronco Nagurski and his wow. life, you know, so uh, they liked what I did with Grange and, and, and sort of uh, wanted that sort of same type of treatment. So I was like, yeah, you know, uh, he's an interesting guy, um, you know, not only with the NFL, he was a world champion wrestler too uh, in the thirties. I mean, he actually quit the NFL to, to do wrestling. He, he, to make he could make more money wrestling you know you know in 1937 38 uh so he went into wrestling and he actually came back for one more year during world war ii to play which is an interesting thing uh but yeah so i'm sort of back in in with the bears a little bit that that history and, and broncos life and stuff so um so so it's been really good so uh, as of now uh, i'm actually starting the writing process here in march um uh, my deadline's in October, so we should see it sometime in, in um, like the fall around training camp of 2022, you know, next next year. So uh, uh, so if you like Grange, if you like Dutch Clark, it's probably going to be similar to that type of story, um, you know, with a, definitely a really interesting, you know, uh, a guy in, in Bronco Nagurski. 
Yeah, that definitely sounds. I mean, there's a lot of connections because uh, they Grange and uh, Nagurski were teammates for for some period of time too with the Bears. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah a couple of years there, you know, where they won championships. They won championships in '32 and '33, and then the sneaker game in '34, which they could have won, but they they, they lost with uh, with the, the switching of the sneak the cleats to sneakers. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one so, of the great so, stories in NFL history, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, never gets told. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, how about, uh, I mentioned a few of your books at the start, and we just talked about a few here. I know you have a, a plethora of other ones, if you want to uh, plug some of those too for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I like all my projects, but, you know, like the Red Grange one that came out in 2019, when NFL celebrated its 100th year, um, was a very interesting project. So, uh, so I recommend that one. It, it, it's a little in depth, you know, it, it, it's, it's over 400 pages, but it, it tells the story of sort of the NFL's first superstar. Um, uh, one of the other big favorites of mine is one of Joe Carr in the NFL in the 1920s and thirties. Uh, I think people don't realize how influential he was. Um, you know, when the league got started in 1920, they elected Jim Thorpe as the president, but he was mainly just a figurehead. He was an athlete. He wasn't an administrator. When Joe Carr from 1921 to 1939, before he passed away, he almost 20 years, he's the one that sort of laid the foundation, you know, you know, with contracts, territorial rights, the rule book, you know, uh, I mean, actually, as much as I love NFL films, well, he actually did an NFL instructional video in 1938 you know you know where they said this is what the nfl you know this was 30 years before nfl films was founded and they did an instructional video he did the first record and fact book you know so he he sort of does these things that the nfl sort of leans on now sort of the building block so so that project was very interesting to do so uh like i said that's one of my you know, one of my all-time favorites you know so so like the grange in the car and the ducks clark book you know if you're interested in, in that type of era players you know who, you know i i sort of relate it to some some people if you're a baseball fan these are names like ty cobb and babe ruth you know and, and you know lou garrick and christy matherson like if you know baseball history or even even if you don't you know the names of ty cobb and babe ruth well dutch clark and you know, Joe Carr and Red Grange, it, these are similar people in the NFL. And so, uh, so if you're looking to learn about that type of history, you know, I, I think these books sort of provide that. And that's why I like doing them. They sort of preserve that history for future generations. You know, as much as I love the game now, you know, I mean, I love watching NFL on Sundays, you know, I love reading about Joe Montana and, you know, Jim Brown and, you know, uh, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, but, some of these old sort of pioneers, they deserve their sort of <laughs> stories being told too. So that's why I like sort of grabbing them, you know, just because not people, I, mean, I would say, but some people don't know them quite as well as some of the modern players and they deserve sort of that, that they recognition. I, I agree with you. That's sort of a magical time. And, you know, you had, almost everybody was a two-way player. So you had to be good on offense and defense. You know, you had linemen kicking field goals and drop mm -hmm. kicks and, you know, all kinds of crazy things, very little padding or equipment uh, safety wise uh, or rules to protect players as it is now. So, you know, men were went men playing uh, football back mm -hmm. in those eras of football. Sure. So it's, it's very nostalgic and very interesting to a lot of people. And yeah. I'm sure, sure you have a lot of people enjoying your book. So, so yeah. some, we got some great things to look forward to in the future with you. We got a lot of good reading to uh, catch up on for my part. I sounds like a lot more books than I anticipated. I got to get to my library to, uh, to read up on, cause this is uh, some great stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. Chris, we, we really appreciate it. Do you have any uh, social media or anything you want to throw out there if anybody wants to follow you? 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter. You know, it's CD, uh, CD Willis 83. So if you go on Twitter, um, I post things about my, my projects, uh, but I also post a lot of football history stuff. You know, uh, uh, I wrote and I also write for uh, a website called Pro Football Journal. Uh, I'm assuming maybe some of your listeners know Pro Football Journal. Uh, Absolutely. You know, that's com. You know, John Turney does a really good job uh, with that. So I write some articles, especially when I have time. You know, you, you know that, you know, with life and you know work and family and everything else you know i wish i had a little more time to even write as much as i do uh to to, to contribute but i know turney does a really good job with that website because it's all about history it's not you know like there's enough websites to find the the news of the day and the transactions and fantasy and stuff like that but if you're looking for a little quick you know read here and there you know so pro football journal so so those type of things um uh you know you could check out online or social media Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, once again, we appreciate you taking the time to spend with us for this episode. It was very interesting. You had uh, some great detail and knowledge that you shared with us, and we really appreciate it. And we hope to have you on again uh, real soon on the Pigskin Dispatch. All right. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It was just another ordinary day in the offices of the Pittsburgh Guardian newspaper circa 1924. But for Marla Delft, assistant editor, everything was about to change. For she was about to discover the awesome attractiveness of Row 1 brand retro sports paraphernalia items, thanks to Orville Mulligan, sports writer. And there it is. Wow, Orville, that's really the bee's knees. Isn't it just? A poster-sized replica of the actual 1909 World Series program cover. I can see that. But where did you get it? And where'd you get it framed? I ordered it from the Row 1 website, where over 6,000 items of sports memorabilia from the 1880s to the 1990s are available for reproduction, in multiple sizes and in several different materials, with over a dozen styles of frame to choose from for prints like this. Well, I'm sure Mr. Delft would love to put up more of these in the office. But I'm equally as sure they're beyond this newspaper's budget. (laughs) Not at all, my dear Marla. See for yourself. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash row one. Sportshistorynetwork.com slash row one. Oh my, these are good prices. Oh, and look at this stuff. Oklahoma, Nebraska football. College basketball art. Michael Jordan items. And so Retro it was that Marla Delft discovered the splendiferous magic of row one sports memorabilia arts and prints. You can, too, by visiting sportshistorynetwork.com slash row one. That's R-O-W number one today for access to the full row one catalog of gallery prints and gifts like t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, 
telephone cases, coffee mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Act today for a 15% discount off all prints with coupon code SHN15 and 20% off all other items with coupon code SHN20 at checkout. And keep your dial locked to the Sports History Network for the exciting chronicles of the 1920 sports world in Orville Mulligan, Sports Writer. Coming soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.